We'll be continuing together the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be finishing it up right around the time we start uh, Advent season, in case you're wondering. So about another month and a half of Ecclesiastes. Boys and girls, make sure you have your uh, children's translation here. You've got your own uh, place to ask us questions. You can use that. Anybody else, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 through 17. Before we go to God's Word, let's go together in prayer. Gracious Lord, as we come to Your Word, Lord, we proclaim along with Your Word how precious to us are Your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If we could count them, they are more than the sand. Oh, Father, we do rejoice to have Your Word, and so we come before it now with open hearts, longing to hear from You, longing to have Your Word change us. And so, Father, through Your Holy Spirit, in Your Word, search us and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in us and lead us out of it into a way everlasting. Now let us know Christ this day in the preaching of Your Word. And we ask this, Lord. Amen. So we've been looking at joyful Christians, if you remember. It's been a couple weeks. We've been looking at joyful Christians under a happy God. And it really is kind of a strange thought to say it that way. Joyful Christians under a happy God. And this whole section of Ecclesiastes is actually trying to get people, God's people, right there to see that God is happy and that we have His approval and so we should be joyful. And so how have you been doing with that? Has it been working out? You, you believe that or is you still struggling that God is... Is He really happy? Because the Monday through Saturday struggle of faith is just not easy, is it? Especially when floods and devastation come... It's an opportunity for us to have service to our community, but it's also an opportunity for lots of questions, right? Where was God? Why did churches get flooded? Why does this happen? So this text today reminds us that it's in times of big issues that our joy in Christ becomes even more important. So if you remember where we've been, he's been looking at life from the perspective of wisdom. He's been trying to show us that God's born-again people, we still have problems. We still have frustrations. Those don't go away. But we have resources for dealing with those that those who live under the sun really don't have. They don't have access to those. We, instead, we have the approval of God. That Jesus has earned our salvation, and so in Him we can be secure and we can be joyful in life in spite of the challenges. Even when it seems that so many things are stacked up against our joy in the gospel, our joy still overflows. That's what he's trying to show us. And so with that in mind, let's go together uh, to God's Word. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 through 17. This is God's Word. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I have also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, 
And a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised despised, and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. This is God's Word. And so where we're going to go today, what I want you to see today, if I can kind of sum it up for you in one sentence, is this. Joy comes from God's approval, not our own nor the world's. You see, functionally, if we're candid with ourselves, we try to get joy from our own approval a lot, don't we? Or from the world's approval. But what we're offered actually is God's approval as the source of our joy. So let's jump into that and see. First thing we're going to look at is what most people call success. Or really, if you think about it, it's our own approval. We're an approval-hungry people. We want to know that we matter, and so we seek joy in thinking well of ourselves. We usually do that through our areas of talent or natural ability where things come easy to us. And unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately I should say, verse 11 kind of pulls that rug right out from under us. Look at what it says again in verse 11. It says, you know, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong nor bread to the wise nor riches to the intelligent nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. The natural winners don't always win. Innate ability does not guarantee success. Being the fastest, strongest, smartest, that doesn't always work out, does it? I mean, if it did, the smartest, most eligible, most apt and wonderful people would be the ones leading our country. Thank you, that is funny. Okay, there we go. (laughs) See, if you look to being the best, or if you look to at least being better than somebody else, if that's your source of security and approval, what do you do when it doesn't work out? What do you do when it doesn't matter that you're the best, you still don't win? See, that can't fulfill you. That kind of approval can't sustain you. You know, as I've confessed many times, Nikki and I are are night owls. Perhaps you might even call it insomniac. And so we're usually watching TV, trying to fall asleep. 11, 12 o'clock, midnight. We pretty much see midnight every night. And late at night, there's a show that comes on that we've started watching. It's really easy to fall asleep to, at least for me it is. It's called Million Dollar Listing. It's about these real estate agents in L.A. who are listing these homes that are just ridiculous. And one of the main characters that they zoom in on is trying to marry the woman he loves. And they go through this wedding plan. They're about to have a wedding, and she refuses to marry him at the last minute because he will not put boundaries on his work. His work interrupts everything in their life as a realtor. There's just absolutely no boundaries. He's financially successful. He's made more money than anybody really needs to make. He's at the top of his game. He's well-respected. He's been on the cover of magazines there. He doesn't have to work that hard anymore. But he looks right into the camera and he says, I've got to show that I'm the best. I've got to show there's no one better around here than me. He's sacrificing his life. He's sacrificing having the life he wants with the woman he really wants because he's got to maintain success. He's got to be the best or he doesn't feel like he matters. 
He's trying to anchor his life in his own approval. And it doesn't work. See, there's only one kind of approval that can actually sustain us. Life under the sun. It's so unpredictable. We must be anchored in the joy of God's approval or we're never going to make it. We're never going to have permanency and and security in this unpredictable world. Look into your hearts right now. I want you to think about this. How do you react to disappointment, to frustration? See, that reveals if your source of approval and security is able to sustain you. Can you let go of things that bother you? Can you just let them go? When life doesn't work out, can you just deal with it, really? Or you, just, you can't let go, you, you get angry, you get frustrated? I don't mean endure difficulties. I mean, can you actually, Christian, have joy in the midst of those things? Or do you find yourself stressed, unstable, petty, when things don't go your way? You see, God's Word tells us that life is not easy. It actually says in the text there that we are as vulnerable as fish in the sea who never see the net coming. Our next disappointment is right around the corner. In a fallen world, in a post-Eden world that doesn't work, it often seems as if life is out to get us, doesn't it? But resting in God's approval through Christ, resting in that frees us from thinking our performance causes the difficulties and challenges in our life. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you think if you're going through a difficulty, God must be punishing me for something? Don't raise your hand, but most of you do. I know you do. See, when we're not grounded in the reality of the gospel, that because of the work of Jesus, we are accepted and approved by God, we will assume that it's up to us. We will assume that when things don't work out, it's because we've been bad, God's trying to get us, and there's just no joy in that, is there? That's looking to success. That's looking to your own approval of yourself to anchor yourself. Ah, see, but joy comes from God's approval. It doesn't come from our approval or the world's approval, which is where this text takes us next with significance. That's the world's approval. So if you ever wondered why preachers tell stories... We get it from the Bible itself. In order to make this next point, this writer of Ecclesiastes tells us a story. He says, look, there was this time, there was a small city. It had a very small army, few warriors in it, no real resources to stand before this overwhelming force that showed up, wanted to destroy it. But using wisdom, some unimportant nobody saved the town. Yet nobody cared. There was no ticker tape parade. There was no invitation to the White House. No talk shows had him on as a guest. Verse 15 says, no one remembered him. That's messed up, isn't it? You know, you history buffs, the Battle of Yorktown ended the Revolutionary War. It's where the Revolutionary War ended. Cornwallis surrendered, and we were free to cause our own problems instead of dealing with British problems. 
See, what happened was is, is that whole area is a peninsula, and the Americans realized that the British were massing land forces and that they were trying to get their naval forces. So using the French fleet and their other forces, they were able to trap the British army at Yorktown and use it to their advantage and win the war. And the reason they knew all of this, the reason they had this intelligence to make this, to win the battle and actually create from war the United States of America was because of a man named James Armistead. I believe I have a picture of him right here. Yeah, James Armistead. As you can tell, he's not Caucasian. So you history buffs, what would have been his status in the 1770s? Slave, yes. His owner gave him up to the army, said, use him. And instead of making him a soldier, because he was articulate, because he was clearly educated, they used him as a spy instead. And so he was a spy in Cornwallis' camp and was able to feed information to Washington and Lafayette, both of whom in their memoirs said this man was the key to the victory that day. There would have been no America without him. In 1783, Virginia set free all slaves who were soldiers in the Revolution. James never carried a gun, never shot a bullet. He was not a soldier. He didn't qualify. So this hero of the Revolution went back to being a slave. He should have been honored. And he was returned to slavery. Now, I've got to tell you the rest of the story, though. That's a really good rhetorical point to leave right there. Lafayette found out about this and basically shamed the Virginia Congress, and they personally set him free by act of the Virginia Congress when they found out. So he, it, it ended well. He left Virginia, uh, ended very well, wealthy, I believe, and uh, well-known before he died. But see, that's what he's talking about here. If General Lafayette hadn't been General Lafayette and shamed this Congress, he would have died as a slave, and no one would even remember his name today. That's what this passage is talking about. And remember, it's not just a trivial matter of, oh, he, he's got a mark in the history books. No, to them, having a memorial, being remembered, meant you had significance. You were important. You had worth as a person if they remembered who you were. You mattered if they remembered. See, that's what this story is about here in Ecclesiastes. It's about having real significance, about getting approval from others and it doesn't work. I mean, how often has that happened to us? You've done everything right, and yet you don't get the approval you deserve, the recognition you deserve. Anyone ever been overlooked for something? Yeah. See, if that's you, and if that just bugs you, and you can't let it go, you're trying to get your approval and security from others. And you know you can't count on that. And... If you do get it once, you've got to keep performing, don't you, to maintain it. You can't rest in the joy of that approval. It's too tentative. It's too weak. You've got to keep performing. But see, but in the gospel, you can rest and have joy because God's approval of you rests on His approval of Christ. And what did He say Himself? He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And if you've been united to Christ, even though your heart says, it's not true, it is true, God looks at you and says, you are my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That significance, that will root you, that will anchor you. Christians, we must be anchored in that joyful approval. 
Because we're not going to get it from our culture. In our changing culture, you must realize we are going to have more and more rejection coming. I mean, we have a great opportunity to serve our community because of these floods, and we're going to do that. Even the Huffington Post, of all places, had an article just last week titled, South Carolina Churches Are Doing More Than Praying for Victims. And they were just overwhelmed at how much churches have stepped up in the last week. It was a great article. And, it's, and we need to be part of that. It's, it's very necessary, and it's going to be very long-term. A year from now, we are still going to be helping flood victims. It's a long-term project. But if we provide for families during this crisis, if we then help rebuild their houses, if we help people get their lives back together, it does not mean that people are suddenly going to flock to our churches, and you need to know that or you will struggle to have joy. We will not maintain the world's approval when the media suddenly realize that all true Christians help out of love, but that love also compels us to tell them about Jesus Christ. Because we can give you a clean, restored, freshly sheetrocked house and you still go to hell and we have failed. We will be accused of having ulterior motives for our service. The cultural authorities still won't accept us. Just as this poor little man served and saved his city in spite of the city's clear disdain for him, so too in our changing culture, we must be anchored in God's approval instead of seeking it from others, or we will be bitter at our lack of recognition. We will only be able to love and serve our city if we're anchored in God's approval of us and not seeking theirs. Oh, dear Christian, look at yourself. Do you need the approval of others in your life? Is, is that your source of joy and peace and rest? How's that working for you? Probably not too well since joy comes from God's approval, not our own and not the world's. And so if success and significance don't work, what does bring us joy? Well, this passage shows us, that, shows us that sound wisdom is found in God's approval. Look with me at verses 16 and 17. He says this, <clears throat> But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard and quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. See, he's now applying the lesson of the story he told. He basically asks us questions. If we can't count on our abilities, if we can't count on the accolades of others, is it worth walking with God? Is there joy there? And the answer, of course, is yes. Notice what he says. He says, look, wisdom is better. Here's how he put it for the boys and girls. Boys and girls, let's look at your verse 16. Here's how he puts it. He says, still... Wisdom is worth more than strength or power, even if wisdom is hated by others. See, instead of looking to ourselves, in, instead of looking to our abilities, you know, I won, I'm successful, I'm strong, I matter, we are to gain wisdom. Because wisdom is better than our own approval of ourselves. Okay, so what is wisdom? Wisdom is resting on God's approval. That's it. Wisdom is resting in God's approval. It's always better than giving your life to various other sources of approval, either inside of your own heart or outside. Wisdom is better. Resting in God's approval of you is better. 
What about the approval of others then? What about popularity? What about fame? What about being admired? Those people look like they have joy, don't they? It's natural for us to look at them and go, well, are, are, are you sure that's not where joy comes from? I mean, I know they say money doesn't solve all your problems. Boy, it'd be nice to find out, right? I mean, is that what it is? And notice how he puts it. Let's look together at verse 17 in the children's translation. It says this. It says, God's quiet well done is better than the praise of a crowd of foolish people. See, the small, quiet voice of God's approval is better than the shouts of the world's approval is what this writer is trying to tell us. Resting in God's approval in the quietness of your heart is better than the temporary approval of a crowd or the public achievement because unlike those things, God's approval doesn't go away. And it doesn't rest on what you do. Do you believe that? That God's approval doesn't go away? That God's approval doesn't rest on what you do? Do you believe that? You see, it's not shown in the nodding of your head. It's shown in the joy in your life. Because joy comes from God's approval. Not our own and not the world's. So all of this then, what do we do with this? All of this points us back to the gospel. We must be rooted in the approval of God as the source of our joy. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who walked the same path that the wise man in this story walked. The glorious Son of God who is God Himself left His palace to live among sinners, to taste our pain to feel our fear, to live in our disappointments, to die for our selfishness. He spent his days overlooked in his own town. No one considered him worthy of any honor. Every day for 33 years, people passed by the Savior, not honoring him, not seeing how much indebted to him they actually were or were going to be. Just like this poor wise man in the story. You see, because Jesus, just like this wise man, he came to defeat an invader, not seek approval. Because whether you realize it or not, we are like this small town. We are surrounded by an overwhelming enemy called sin and death. It is an invader seeking to overpower and destroy. And even more so, after death comes judgment. As much as we rejoice and long for God's approval, we must recognize the reality of His disapproval. God is completely uncompromising when it comes to our sin, and each of us deserves His wrath for our sin. And so, between the invader of death and the specter of God's wrath, humanity is stuck between the proverbial rock and a hard place. But God Himself has provided the way out. By taking on the form of a poor, unassuming man of wisdom, God Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, came and He lived the life we should have lived to avoid God's wrath. He did that for us. Then He died the death we deserve to die. So death is no longer our enemy, but death is defeated in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of all that Jesus Christ has done and nothing that we have done, God's approval can then rest on us. And under that approval, we can have joy. That's Christianity. 
That's the gospel. And that is available to you today. Do you remember him? Or have you forgotten? So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, and forget everything you've heard here in the South about what church is and living right and all that stuff. Forget all the judgmental junk that you've heard about and I heard about growing up and just recognize that in your heart you are starving for approval. And you have such little joy in your life, but approval and joy are offered to you right now in Jesus Christ. The Creator Himself can say to you, I approve you. I accept you. I love you. Simply place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord right now, and that can be yours. And so Christian or not, what are you looking to for approval? What do you anchor your life in? Do you have joy? Because in the gospel you can. Let's pray together. Father God,